Jeffrey Hoffman here with Nikki the G. Nicholas Sherlock welcoming you to the seventh episode of the Fight Sport Focus podcast. Thank you all so much for joining us, Nick. You got to see some live fights last week, eh? Absolutely. I got to check out Icon's uh, first first inaugural MMA card out there, out in Biloxi. I missed the boxing card. Uh, I really didn't actually know. Yeah, Roy Jones Jr. boxing. Yeah, I didn't know they were actually having a boxing card till probably about 3 o'clock that afternoon. So I headed out about 4, but I got there. got to see yeah. a lot of the local guys. Had some mid-city boys on the uh, on the card. It was a pretty good night. Great, man. Uh, we're going to have Christian Girola on the show here in the next few weeks. Christian works with Icon to help promote. He's a matchmaker for their shows here on the Gulf Coast. He's also working with Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship and their new Toe the Line series. And he's part owner of Empire Fighting Championship here on the coast with Jason Knight. So it'll be really good, you know, having him here talking about Icon, Bare Knuckle, and of course, Empire FC. All right. So, Nick, you had an interesting encounter this week with a perpetrator uh for those first tuning in nick is a, a bounty hunter here in southeast louisiana uh yeah we uh we try uh, i'm located in southeast louisiana but we travel all over we've been to many many states I'm south a, I'm central a, louisiana I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a very well-traveled bounty hunter in my own right <laughs> what, what's the furthest that you've had to go out for a perp man washington it's- Parish state, state, Washington state. Is Washington parish state or city? We Which go to one? Washington parish quite often. <laughs> we actually had to go to Washington parish the other night and uh, Washington parish is a smaller jail out there in Franklinton. And they had three guys in the jail who had never done a bond surrender. So we got the privilege to wait three and a half hours for shift change for somebody to come in that knew what they were doing. I would expect nothing less out of Franklin, Louisiana. Enough of my <laughs> small town prejudice. <laughs> Tell so, us, man, what happened? So, uh, very rarely do things happen in this career that freak me out because I've been doing it for so long. Uh, so it was me and uh, my guy Sam and old Matty Two Shoes, the guys who work for me. That's uh, my normal, yeah. my normal role. It's like crew. an old school Italian, uh, you know, mobster crew. Oh, on uh, the absolutely. corner, absolutely. A part cheesy. Yeah, two Vikings and a Puerto Rican is what we like to call ourselves. <laughs> uh, so uh, we pull. So we were out there in Denham Springs, and it's out in Denham Springs, out in the boonies of Denham Springs, out in Livingston Parish. It's like one of those little one lane highways, and we pull up and. There's a little house, like it's where at our Warren address, and there's a little house like at the back of a field. It's probably like 200 yards long, and the grass was probably about waist high. Jeez. And we pull up, and we're looking, and you can't see any light or anything from the from the street. And my buddy looks at me, and he goes, "I think this is going to be a band." That I was like, "You know the deal. I need to be standing in that living room to knock this house off the off the list." He's like, "All right." So we pull in the driveway, and I'm probably going down maybe about 100 yards, and we see there is a light on in the house. So I kill the headlights. We jump out the car. We walk the last hundred yards. Like I said, this grass is like waist level. Uh, one guy goes around the back. We start going around to the front. And I looked at uh, Sam and I go, man, this is pretty creepy. Yeah, and he was the like, children of the corn vibe here. Absolutely. So we get there and we, we knock on the door. You know, I knock hard. I knock like the police. And it's almost instantly I hear, this door is locked. Come around to the back and I'll let you in. <laughs> And I looked at my, I looked at my guy and I'm like, what the fuck? He was like, he said, dude, if Chucky answers the door, I'm running. <laughs> so as we're walking around the house, I hear, don't move, keep your hands up. Let me, let me see him. So we hustle around the back and it's the girl that we're looking for. And I asked her, is your name such and such? She said, yes. I said, I have a warrant for your arrest for missing court. Yada, yada, yada. You know the spiel. And she goes, 
can I get dressed? I was like, no, you got to do the voice now. You can't switch back oh, yeah. from her voice. Oh, oh, and, oh, 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 my bad. Can I get dressed? Then she goes, she goes, can I, can I get dressed? There we go. I'm in a nightgown. I was like, I was like, absolutely. I was like, yeah, you can get dressed. Like we have to come in with you. She was like, no worries. There's nothing in here that'll hurt you. And I looked, <laughs> okay. I'm like, what the hell? And like, as we're coming in the house, I was like, is there anybody else in the house with you? She said, no. So we start walking into the house with her and I'm focused on her and surroundings. So this house, it it didn't smell, it didn't stink, but it was absolutely a disaster. Like there was clothing everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like we're as I walk through houses, I try to flip on light switches yeah. to to illuminate it. I mean, we carry pretty powerful flashlights, but still, it's always nice to have as much light as possible when you're in the middle of the night, especially three in the morning in Denham Springs. There's no street lights. Yeah. So as I'm walking through the house, trying to flip on lights, nothing's on. Uh, there's furniture just thrown everywhere there's piles of clothes everywhere and there was one tv set one of those old school ones that had like that uh that poltergeisty snow coming down that <laughs> for, for people that actually have cable television still and get the static she's oh. rocking it oh yeah she she was rocking it what was the cat situation like We're oh, talking there was like there was there was no cats <laughs> no, no cats, cats that i saw oh, I, I would be worried in that situation so, then She's uh so she's kind of standing in the corner of the room getting dressed. You know, I'm 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 near her, but I'm not too close. I'm trying to give her a privacy, let her throw her, let her throw her sweats on. But I hear her mumbling and I go, Who are you talking to? She goes, Oh, she goes, Oh, don't worry about it. It's okay. <laughs> then she starts going, I need to get my she goes, Can I get my keys to my house? That's in the back room. So we go walking. So I walk her to the back room and like, like I said, there's just clothes everywhere. I said, Do you live here alone? She was like, Yeah, my dad died about six months ago. It's just me. Uh, and at this point I turn around and I see both my, one of my guys is looking real fidgety. He's ready to go. He's ready to go. The other one is like, they're running flashlights up and down. Mm. And you, at you, this, did you guys think y'all have a witch, some, some sort so of a witch situation at this point, an enchantress, I have if you will. at this point, it, it, it's unusual, but it's weird. Like I, when I'm when, not all the hairs in the back of my neck are standing up at this point, but I point my flashlight at the walls and from ceiling to floor on like maybe like a 45 degree angle written in <laughs> pencil in perfect cursive not a race marks perfect legible cursive every single wall in the house from top to bottom is covered in stuff here's my here's my questions what kind of savage wouldn't write on their walls in parallel lines are you gonna go with this 45 degree shit that's just going to throw off the aura of the whole house. Hey, you know, people have to come in. They got to cock their heads and sideways so, now, so they can read your ramblings. Oh, absolutely. So <laughs> I'm at the end of the hall with her and it's about a four bedroom house. And my guys are at the end of the hall. So, you know, I'm waiting for her to walk in front of me. And as I'm walking through, like there's no doors on these rooms, but I can look in the rooms and every room covered, covered, covered. As we're walking out, I was like, all right, cuff her. And my guy's like, absolutely. I was like, and I asked her, I was like, well, I said, do you need anything else? And she was like, no, I'm ready. So as we're walking out, like my 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 little brother works for me too, and he was he, he's like, look look, I look over in the kitchen, all the kitchen cabinets are written on, the refrigerator's wow. written on, everything. As we step out, um, we get her back to the car. Like my guys are ready to go. We get her back in the car. We pull out in the driveway. First question out of her mouth is, so what gods do you worship? <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I, my, my immediate response to her was I said, are you about to tell me some crazy shit? I mean, I'm prepared. I'll follow you down the rabbit hole, but I just need to know I'm about to hear some crazy shit. And she goes, uh-uh. And so when we get to the, so the ride was probably about an hour to the jail. Right. And we get there and I ask her, I said, what was all that stuff writing on your walls? And she goes, what are you talking about? 
I was like, don't play dumb. Like, you know, shit is written all over every wall in your house. Did you write that? She goes, uh-uh, I, it wasn't me. I was like, do you know who it was? I said, yeah. So who did it? She goes, well, sometimes I, I don't know. And I was like, what do you mean you don't know? Like, do you live there? Do you work? Do you leave? She goes, no, no, I never leave that house. <laughs> and I was like, well, how did the walls get written on? You not know. She goes, well, sometimes I'm there, but then I'm not there. <laughs> so I... I need an and over my, under here, and man. so and so immediately when she said that, I had another question. My guy, gra- my guy grabs her by the arm and goes, "Nope, we're done here." <laughs> Sam takes her arm and puts her in. I'm still trying to talk to this woman. He has her just walking off, brings her in the locker. I was like, "Well, I guess that conversation's over." We get back in the car and everything in my body. I'm like, "Dude, do y'all want to go back and read those walls?" And they're like, "Absolutely <laughs> not. We are not going back." I was like, "Are you sure?" He goes, and "My uh, two shoes goes." He goes, says, "Uh, from what I remember, it was like." Some stuff about ancient Egypt and power circles and stuff. I was like, dude, I, 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 we should have took pictures of this shit. Like, and uh, I was like, man, this is this was one of the creepier things that's ever happened to me. It was like it was a very, very Blair witchy, very Blair witchy. Okay, over under the number is three. Over under meth pipes seen with the flashlights. No meth as pipes. You're searching. No meth so, pipes. So we're at a zero here. We had a zero meth pipe, zero meth pipe. Like if there was drugs involved, Shocking. I didn't see it. I mean, she was like, I mean, we could see her. Like we get to take pictures of them to show that they arrived in the same condition as what we found. Like she didn't have track marks on her arms, nothing like that. Like it was just hundred percent creepy, grade yeah. a creepy. Well, you know, she might be one of the rare humans out there that are just legitimately nuts instead of needing uh psychoactive chemicals to bring that out. You know, there's I'm a couple just people out there that just do it naturally. And, and still God bless them. from, from the angle and the position of writing on this shit, I didn't see a ladder in the house by any <laughs> means. I mean, I didn't even see any chairs that weren't smashed in the corner. Uh, and then they're writing perfect cursive and pencil yeah. on, on a, and this wasn't, it was like a textured wall. Like it wasn't just like a, not like writing on a chalkboard. You like, think she's uh, got the extender thing that old people use to pick things up off the floor? You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you get one that's got a dinosaur head on it or something like that. You put a Sharpie in there and you can write pretty well on the walls. Have you yeah. ever seen that movie, Mama? <laughs> I think that she has one of those demons that like pick her up and hold her sideways as you can write on the walls. I mean, hold her at a perfect 45 degree right. angle. <laughs> You're walking through the window and you see like, what is she doing? We got to go. We got to go. We got to go. And I would open the door and, sh- and she was levitating. We're out. You're getting away. <laughs> Telling that company, I couldn't find her. I don't know where she is. She gone. She gone. Uh, all right, some fight news from this week. Mike Perry versus Robbie Lawler set for UFC 255 on November 21st. That's going to be a great fight, man. I like that matchup uh, for both of those guys, huh? Oh, uh, Robbie needs a win. Yeah, for sure. And good for mm-hmm. him in fighting another guy that's a brawler in Mike Perry. I feel like they've been giving uh, Lawler kind of like specialists Lately, yep. as opposed to somebody that kind of like fits into with him and the later yeah. stage of his career where he kind of needs somebody that's going to stand and bang. I'm going to lean towards Mike Perry in that fight. But my, I don't know if Mike Perry is training anywhere still or if it's just him and the girlfriend kind of like doing him and know, the girlfriend pads. Him and the girlfriend are undefeated. They beat, they won their <laughs> UFC fight. They won that bar fight like they're they're getting it in. Well, here's the thing, man, is that uh, everybody who has started one and oh has been undefeated at some point. Uh-huh. <laughs> I feel what, like that's where Mike what, what, is right now. What's Platinum Mike's record right now? <laughs> Everyone who's gone one to know has been undefeated at one point. I mean, I mean, technically he's two and zero because he he won that bar fight too. Okay. So uh, we've also got on that card uh, Joban Alan Joban from Lafayette versus Jared Gooden. 
Um, our uh, Shogun Rua versus Paul Craig and uh, Valentin Shevchenko versus Jennifer Maya. Davison Figueredo, here you go, Nick, versus Cody Garbrandt for the UFC flyweight title. Cody. Yeah, what do you think, man? <laughs> Cody. Right? Some old uh, frisky dingo. You were a fan back well, in the day? I refer I refer to refer to him as no love because there was only yeah. one no love. Uh but yeah, yeah we've talked oh, about Mr. that before. Maybe oh, some Mr. Mr. Garbrandt. I think Mr. Garbrandt wins that fight. I also think uh Cody Garbrandt is gonna win that fight. What do you think about him moving down to 125? You think that's a good move? You think that's a little strategery? We'll see. Well, the thing is that there's a big log jam at the top of 135, right? You got Jan, Aljamain Sterling, uh, Marlon Moraes, now Josie Aldo going down. Believe it or not, TJ Dillashaw is coming back here in a couple of months. It's been two years almost already, right? So Cody, Cody should stay as far away from TJ as he can. Yeah, oh, that's just for sure. Two in a row, right? Two bad ones in a row. Uh, so Cody was at the top of that division for a while, what, 2016, 2017? Mm-hmm. But I think he knows that that 135 belt is going to be a hell of a lot harder to get. I think, T- I think TJ, I think TJ comes back. I think TJ goes on a tear. I think TJ has the belt before too long. Man, Jan is such a tough. I think that TJ beats everybody with ease. Jan, I'm not so sure about. I would love to see Aljamain Sterling get that, it from bang, Jan. That bang Muay Thai is out there lighting it up. Yeah, man. Um, hey, in other news, we talked uh, Conor McGregor claiming on Twitter that he'll be fighting Manny Pacquiao somewhere think, in the Middle East. I think Connor has a good chance of sleeping Pacquiao. I think, oh, I think come on. Pacquiao is in the twilight of his career. Pacquiao is a, a he's politician. In the, he's, in, he's in the twilight of he's his career. He's representing his people. Connor's young. Connor has an amazing left hand. We've already saw with him boxing Floyd. Connor can fight. Yeah. and But Pacquiao isn't as defensive as Floyd. Pacquiao is going to come for it. He's okay. going to he's going to come to fight Connor. And when you in boxing, when you open up, you're mm. going to get a lot more shots. I think Connor's going to land a lot of shots. Connor McGregor, and a Pac- counter fighter as well. And, right? so it's a good, and good Pac has been slept a few times. Like the old chin ain't what it used to be. So then Connor says uh, he wants to go and fight Diego Sanchez in the UFC. Uh, are either of those fights really interesting to you, man? Or I'm interested in whatever Connor wants to do. Okay. Okay. I'll watch Connor fight bums in the parking lot if we need to. <laughs> well, that might be coming soon, so brace yourself. But before then, now it appears that Connor McGregor uh, and Dustin Poirier trying to work out a fight. Uh, Connor first proposed an exhibition open weight fight in Ireland, doing it for charity. And then Dana White stepped in. He's like, hey, man, you guys want to fight? Let's make it official. It doesn't have to be an exhibition. We'll put it on your records, and uh, we can make a little bit off of it, too. I think, the U- I think if the UFC really wants that fight, they need to pay Dustin what he's worth. Yeah. They're going to pay Connor. Yeah, well, they get the pay-per-view points. They're both going to do really well with this. But then again, they should also donate a substantial amount to the Good Fight Foundation. Yeah, I agree, man. Poirier has already signed. Just waiting on Connor to sign on the dotted line here. Uh, hey, before we get started, we would like to announce that we are now finalists for alt 92.3's best local podcast award the awards are called the woodies and uh when i heard the news nick i gotta admit got a little woody myself if you know what i'm saying uh so guys head over to alt 923.com and click on woodies then vote for your boys also don't forget to share subscribe to this podcast on spotify itunes google or wherever you get your podcasts. 
In this week's episode, we're going to look back at UFC 253 and talk about the main card. Then, Nick, I'm going to do a little role playing here, man. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm going to, I'm going to do some role playing. All right. Give it to me. Let me get set up, clear my throat. Ugh. Ugh. <clears throat> get ready for that. Okay, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Who was I, man? Was that Dave Dynamite Hardy? Oh, you already know. Then we're going to be joined by Gulf Coast Combat Sport Legend Dynamite David Hardy. And we were going to finish with a, a quick preview of Atlas Fights 57. Supposed to be going down this Saturday. However, that event has been postponed, now set for November 7th. And I do know... Why, why was that event postponed? So I heard some injuries, positive COVID tests. Some Rona? Some, a little bit of Rona out there still. You know, it's still lingering around. My, my, my Rona. <laughs> it, it, you know, it's lingering a bit. A couple Rona cases, maybe a few injuries. So the card had a lot of fights fall off. And probably most important... Uh, Atlas has a shot at getting a show in Louisiana mid-October. Louisiana. So it was, you know, gamble this card, put it on. You know, a lot of fights have already fallen through, and the fight in Louisiana definitely couldn't happen or postpone this one, and you still have a shot uh, mid-October in Louisiana. Uh, so they're uh, taking that chance. Um, we will let you guys know as soon as we hear anything about fights returning to the boot all right let's look at ufc 253 and see how our picks fared from last week's episode not a lot to talk about on the prelim cards but we did have diego sanchez ultimate fighter season one winner making his 33rd ufc appearance and he came in against jake matthews as the biggest underdog on that card. And Nick, man, he looked like the biggest underdog on that card. <laughs> Sanchez, look, absolute legend in the sport. Surefire UFC Hall of Famer. But really looking back but on let's, it. Let's slow down that Hall of Fame thing. It's impossible. It is literally impossible. He never he never wore gold. I don't even think he ever fought for gold. Like. That's not, there's, look in the NFL Hall of Fame. There's so many. This isn't the NFL. It's, it's 90% filled with people who have never seen no. a Super Bowl. No. Dude. Different sport. We've got a couple years on this, but when it happens. I don't, I don't, I don't, th I don't think Diego deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Well, it doesn't matter if you think it deserves. It's happening, man. I don't think it is. It's 100% going to happen. No, sir. And look, looking back on it, Diego hasn't really had a meaningful win uh, in a Ever? while. Right? So, in recent history, uh, he had a decision victory over Jim Miller back in 2016. And since then, look, he beat Mickey Gall. Uh, he got a DQ win over Michelle Pereira. We talked about that a couple episodes ago. And uh, Diego got really busted up Saturday night. And look, I hate to say it, but he looked old. It's because he's training with uh, that dude from the Zohan. Yeah. And we'll talk about that here in a minute, too. He looked slow. And uh, look, Diego landed almost nothing in that fight. Uh, unanimous decision, 30-26 on all three cards. Nick, you think it's finally time for uh, Diego Sanchez to hang it up? Uh, I think it's time to move to Bellator. Uh, well, okay. So what you're saying is 
We just need to drop the level of competition down a little bit for you. Get yeah, your cheddar, yeah. get your money, but just go fight these. Maybe, maybe return to the local circuit. Like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you still got, I mean, if you want to fight, we got fights. All right. So talking about uh, Diego Sanchez's guru, um, did you see it was this week? A video of Matt, Sarah, and him in a little bit of a confrontation. No. Oh, man. So cool. So out in Fight Island, right? Matt, Sarah is there with uh, Dean Thomas. They're recording. Dana White's looking for a fight. Uh, they're at the hotel. Dean and uh, Matt, Sarah having breakfast. And uh, Joshua Fabia, who is Diego's coach, comes up to Matt. And Matt has been critical of his work in the past, obviously, because him and Diego go back two decades or whatever, right? They're UFC originals. So uh, Josh comes up to Matt and he's like, hey, man, I don't appreciate how you've been criticizing me. And even when you do criticize me in the media, you don't know my name. You don't say my name. And uh, Sarah, the most, the, the realest guy I think there is, right? And he looks up and he's like, dude, who the fuck are you, man? <laughs> well, I'm Diego Sanchez's coach and you haven't... And you've, and you've criticized me and you've never said my name. And Matt's, dude, I don't even know your name right now. What is your name? I'm Joshua Fabia and this and that. And uh, Matt, Sarah is like, dude, look, this conversation is not going to improve from this point. We've already started. It's fucked. It's not going to get any better than this. I promise you, man. Why don't you go back over there? I wish you the best of luck. I hope you make a bunch of money off of Diego. <laughs> I wish you the best of luck, but let's get you back where you came from dude it was so great check it out on uh youtube uh first up on the main card uh we had zubaira tukagov and hakeem dawadu i went with dawadu and nick you didn't think hakeem dawadu you yeah. thought hakeem dawadunt yep. but guess what Hakeem Dawa did, baby, and he oh, yeah, got I, that I a, split decision. I had a, I took a took a beating on this week's card, <laughs> two and two and three. But I mean, Jeff Jeff won this week, but the sun shines on a dog's ass every once in a while. <laughs> I was going to say the cream rose to the top, but uh, next, uh, not this week, following week's picks uh, will help to determine that second fight. Ketlin Vieira got the twenty nine twenty eight UD over Sejara mm, Eubanks. Got that right. Yeah, you and I both got that one. Third up, your boy, Brandon Raw Dog Roy Val versus that was Kai Kara France. Scrap, yeah, sir. dude, that was awesome. That was a huh? fun fight. It doesn't matter if you're like a stand-up striker guy or like an old school BJJ guy. That was a strike from <laughs> that was a strike from anywhere you can get it. <laughs> yeah. So what Kara France got like the big overhand right to start it off. Yep. And he Rocks was Roy Val. And he was Thanked with a spinning back fist. <laughs> yeah, man. So, Old raw dog, so, boy. So I went with Caro France. He was a big favorite entering the fight. He's from City Kickboxing, so that's uh, same camp as Israel Adesanya. Outside of Izzy, City Kickboxing took a took a beating that night. Y yeah, and uh, you know I've I've liked Israel Adesanya for a while. About a year and a half ago, we wrote on the website about what might be next for him. I've been a fan of his uh, since he made it to the UFC. And I'd have to say, like, one of the first things that he said in the post-fight interview was calling for his boy because, what was it, Roy Val came in overweight? Yeah. Right? Like, uh, he's like, dude, what's going on here? If you come in overweight, we have to, like, increase the penalties. It can't be 10 or 20% of your purse. It's got to be, like, 90% of your purse, and then Izzy, that shit's not going to be happening anymore. Is you should stick to fighting. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't like his claim he should stick for to fighter fighting. justice? He should, stick, he should <laughs> stick to fighting. Mind his business. Man, I thought that was great. Um... So we talked about it. Uh, let's see here. Roy Val recovering from that overhand. Uh, 
from Cara France as he was recovering, spun, smoked Cara France with a spinning elbow. And it was a lot of fun watching these guys throw, but it was the old ground karate of Brandon Royval that was the deciding factor. He had Cara France in all kinds of trouble in the first. Um, he went for a go-go palata and transitioned to an oma palata. It's like two submissions that you never see in uh, MMA. Right, really cool. And of course, uh, Roy Vall did get the tap in the second with that guillotine. Co-main event, Jan Blahovich and Dominic Reyes fought for the UFC light heavyweight title that was recently vacated by John Jones. You went with Reyes and I had Blahovich. Reyes was the heavy favorite coming in and I can definitely see why Reyes obviously coming off of that fight with John Jones and a lot of people had him winning that fight. Blahovich, keep in mind, though, has never fought John Jones. And after Saturday, now he's on a four fight win streak. He's won eight out of his last nine. And he's the new UFC light heavyweight champion. Nick, who would you like to see Blahovich defend that belt against first? John Jones. That's what I was going to say, man. Jones tweeting, hey, guys, how upset would you be if I came back down and uh, claimed my belt? You think John Jones is coming back down? Uh, no, I just think he's talking shit. I think the next legitimate fight at John, I don't think John Jones cares about the light heavyweight title anymore. I really don't. I think he wants a payday at heavyweight, or I think he wants Izzy to move up and fight him. Uh Reyes just didn't look like Reyes at all. Uh, Jan landed that tremendous body kick, battering Reyes' yeah. body, showing the instant damage. Yeah, it's, it's uh, so rare to see that. Not just the damage, but that type of damage that quick from like one kick. It bruised up and it became like this bright cherry red color. Yeah. And then I do think the stoppage was a little little premature. I mean, the right guy won, but he was still defending himself. This is the UFC title fight. Got to hold it back a little bit. Um, but all, all in all, like uh, whoever's next for Jan, uh, I don't think anybody at light heavyweight is going to give Jan a problem anytime soon. Uh, yeah. In the main event, Israel Adesanya defended the middleweight title for the second time against Paulo Costa. You had Costa. I went with the defending champ. Both guys undefeated entering the fight. Adesanya looked great, man, by all means. And he usually does. But I want to talk about Costa's game plan, right? Yeah, it, was, it was it was insane. It was like, I don't know why he didn't press the action. He should have pressed him, tried to get Izzy up against the cage, pull him to the ground, use his jujitsu, but to stand and try to bang with somebody with the yeah. striking IQ of Izzy. Like I, I posted on my Facebook, Izzy's not my guy. He's not my pick. I'm really not a fan of Izzy. Like it's nothing of his own thing. I just, I just don't like it. Um, but uh, I don't see Izzy losing that middleweight belt for a long time. He's cleaned that division out. It's uh, a thin I, division at top, too. Yeah, I really think that Izzy needs to fight Bones at 205. Like, Izzy constantly chirps at Bones. And my conspiracy theory on is, is he Bones has already made it perfectly clear. Bones is older than him. Izzy has three, four times as many fights as Bones. So I think he's trying to Floyd Mayweather, uh, John. He's trying to let John get on in years, dwindle down and say, Oh, I'll fight you now. Yeah. Uh, I think, I don't think that's a winnable fight for Izzy. I think that's, a, I think that'll be the fight of his career fight of his life. Yeah. If he just chooses to fight bones. Uh, but other than that, he could stay at middleweight yeah. and just destroy whoever they give him for the remaining of his career. Yeah. That jump to uh, from middleweight to light heavyweight, that 20 pound jump is, is 
And like we were saying, it's, you know, the same thing as, uh, you know, a Bantam weight going up to lightweight. It's a big, big jump in weight. Yeah. The weight classes should be, should be everything, pal. But I mean, the same can be said for making the jump from light, lightweight, light heavyweight to heavyweight, which we see guys do it all the time. Uh, with Randy Couture did it, uh, Dan Henderson did it. Like a lot of guys make that make that transition. So I don't think the 20 pound weight cut is too big. Izzy probably walks around at probably like 200 to 205. Like, so it really shouldn't be that big of a deal for him. Yeah, I would be worried about Izzy coming in undersized. You know, John's got that big frame uh, that he's always got. Izzy his- is a big guy, though. So I mean, I don't think it would be that hard for him to maintain i think he'd give a lot of guys at 205 a lot of a lot of problems like absolutely i would i would probably say like if izzy fought yan i think izzy might beat yan might beat yan tiago santos would be a very interesting matchup for him at 205 i think john jones until i I think he has a lot more i think izzy has a lot more fight potential and a lot more earning potential at 205 i mean and especially if he wants to be considered one of the greatest of all times it's kind of like the imprint now that you have to become a two division champ. Like the too many people have done it. Precedent's been set and middleweight right now is very weak on the top. Uh, Izzy said, uh, Jared Cannonier will be next as long as he, uh, as long as Cannonier defeats Robert Whitaker. And then after that, you've got maybe uh Hermanson. I mean, come on, like in the top five, in the top 10, I think Izzy there's, there's be, nothing coming up at middleweight. I think Izzy can beat both those guys in the same Easy. night. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. So back to the main event fight. Uh, you have to assume, you got to assume that the moment that Costa received the contract, even before it went out, his team is thinking, all right, cool. We got Israel Adesanya, world-class kickboxer. Uh, we're going to have to get inside first and foremost. We're going to have to make it dirty, right? We're going to have to get in the clinch, some dirty boxing. We're going to have to work the body, work, try to get at his legs, try to get a takedown. And I don't know if that wasn't the game plan. I would have to assume it was, or if Costa just went rogue. When he went in there, but I posted a meme about it, like right after the fight, like what kind of game plan would go uh, try to outpoint a world class kickboxer with eight inches of reach from the outside? Have to imagine, have to have to assume that that was not the plan, and Costa went rogue. Right? I mean, it could it could have been the plan. I mean, because you remember, uh, Connor's coaches told him to, told him to let Khabib take him down to get him tired. So I mean, <laughs> you have some off the wall game plans out there. But I don't think I really don't think it would have mattered. I don't think Costa would. After watching the fight, I picked Costa going in. But after watching how they fought, and even when Costa tried to rush him the way Izzy moved, I don't think Costa could have took him down if he wanted to. So yeah, I think Costa uh, Izzy wins that fight ten out of ten times. Israel Adesanya now twenty and zero in MMA said he wants the winner of uh, Jared Cannonier and Robert Whitaker, and after that uh, he wants Hermanson. I don't know what matchup makes sense for Adesanya. Those two, like you said, he could probably beat in the same night. Nick, who do you think will get the next shot at middleweight gold? And again, do you see Adesanya holding this for the foreseeable future? Uh, I, I mean, think it, I don't even think it matters who he fights next. I think yeah. Adesanya is going to hold the middleweight title as long as he wants it. All right, Nick, what do you say? We get the mouth of the South, the maniacal maestro of the microphone the mc with the big old d wait that's not that's not the same guy hey i mean you can go you can go down that rabbit hole you want i'll support you but i'm not following you that last one might have been somebody different but the first two dynamite david hardy man what do you say about uh getting him on the phone let's get it done all right everybody we'll be right back with dynamite david hardy 
I'm Jeffrey Hoffman with Nicholas Sherlock, and we're joined by Dynamite David Hardy. Dynamite, welcome to the Fight Sport Focus podcast. Thank you so much for being here, man. Man, it is a pleasure to be riding with you two guys, vicious and delicious. I'll leave it up to your fan base to decide who's who. But thank you so much for having me on tonight, guys. Now, look, Dynamite, I know that you got that ACDC walkout, right? TNT. I get it, man. It makes total sense. But I think a missed opportunity here for a good soundbite. You remember that uh, old like sitcom from the 70s, Good Times? Yes, I do. Right? Like, AJ Walker. That's what I'm saying, man. A little kid. Dynamite. You ever think about using that sound bite or you think that ship sailed? I think that ship might have sailed because, man, the, the fan base were attracted now in MMA to mixed martial arts. That's so far gone that, yeah, it's fairly esoteric. You'd have the older crowd. They would kind of recognize that. But a lot of younger ones would be like, what? Fuck, I don't know what that was. I, I think we so need to get... I don't know that it worked all that great, but I get it a lot, man. On Facebook, I get the gifts all the time. <laughs> yeah, I get the uh, the JJ. I know my. I get it quite a bit. I think maybe a camp, a public campaign to get uh, reruns back in syndication, and then you've got you've got that at your disposal. Oh man, I guess I've got to learn the rerun dance then, right? <laughs> so dynamite. So I guess the question on everybody's mind is. When did Dave Hardy become dynamite? Like what made you see see ring announcing and announcing it all? Because I know for our listeners, Dave does a whole lot more than just MMA. He does bodybuilding shows. He does all kinds of things. He'll announce your motherfucking wedding if you want him to. So how did you become dynamite? Well, it's a funny story. I was selling luxury cars in Covington, Louisiana. Guy came in one afternoon. I sold him an Infinity QX56, him and his wife. And as we're going through the process, he kind of commented on my voice. He said, man, you've uh, you got a pretty good voice there. I said, well, I do some local high school play-by-play for football and basketball on a little small radio station here on the North Shore in St. Tammany Parish. And he looked at me and said, at the time, UFC was still kind of getting going. Hadn't even got the big spike deal yet, I don't believe. This was about 14, 13 years ago. And he said, man, you like that ultimate fighting stuff on television? I said, dude, is a frog's ass watertight? I love it. That is awesome. <laughs> so he looked at me and he said, well, I've got a promotion over in New Orleans. I kind of need an announcer. Would you, would you be willing to give it a shot? I said, man, I'm in. Let me know. So I didn't really know what I was doing, but I went down there. So trying like anybody else, there's no book you can go to the library and check out. Okay, here's the ring announcing 101. So I was kind of imitating, mimicking the guys I saw on television, of course, the Michael Buffers, the Bruce Buffers, the Jimmy Lennons, those types. And I knew getting out there that if this was something I wanted to do, you got to have a little brand recognition. People need to know who you are. So I remember trying to say my name throughout the event every time it would present itself. Hey, I'm David Hardy. Ladies and gentlemen, David Hardy, David Hardy, David Hardy. At the end of the night, you're leaving the venue, and all you hear from the crowd, hey, announcer, dude. Michael Buffer, let's get ready to rumble. And I was really getting frustrated after about third or fourth show. Like, okay, this is not getting anywhere. Well, when I was younger, I uh, had a little bit of a temper. You know, I kind of go flying off the hook pretty fast. And some friends of mine used to call me Dynamite. They're like, yeah, you blow up like Dynamite over there. So at the end of a show one night, it just kind of hit me like a lightning bolt. You know what? Let me give it a try. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Dynamite. And dude, I didn't get out of the cage real well. And I could hear people in the crowd. 
Dynamite! All right, Dynamite! Awesome. So it's just obnoxious enough, it's just ridiculous enough that it kind of sticks. And then when I realized that it was catching on, okay, I really started running with it. And from there, the legend of Dynamite has grown to where it is now, guys. Oh, absolutely. I was telling Jeff a few weeks back. I don't even know if I've ever told you this. I was like, man, when I first met Dynamite, like I did not like him at all. I was like, man, this dude is aggravating. But I didn't know you at all. I just knew what I saw in the cage. And I was like, man, I was like, so as I got to know Dynamite and I got to be around Dave more and more, I was like, I fell in love with this dude. Like there's nothing to not like about Dynamite. I said, I've never really met somebody. It's like, man, the hell with Dynamite. Like everybody loves dynamite. Like you're, in my opinion, you're just as famous as most of the local fighters in this area. Yeah. If not more. And look for local promotions, you've either got dynamite or you don't. Right. Right. If if you're, if you are at an event, you know, if dynamite's there and it doesn't matter who they've got else to replace, it's either dynamite or you've got nobody. And I think most people around would be in a total agreement with that. I mean, I won't name drop events, but we were at an event a couple of weeks ago and somebody walked right up to me and said, Hey, Nick, Where's Dynamite? I was like, oh, he's not here tonight. They were like, what? He's half the reason I bought the ticket. I was like, man, I was like, I said, hit up his Facebook, man. Like, he's constantly po- yeah. posting where he's going to be. Yeah, you've kind of got that status, man. Well, the thing man. is, in, in what I do, guys, as a ring announcer or entertainer, showman, whatever you want to call it, there's a hundred, there's a thousand guys out there that have a beautiful voice, and they've got some expensive, flashy tuxedos they wear. So you got to find something to separate yourself from the crowd. And I tell fighters this all the time as well. I'm like, man, you're a fantastic athlete and you are a holy terror inside the cage. But guess what? There's a thousand guys just like you in different promotions all over the country. What are you going to do to separate yourself from the pack to get yourself noticed? Well, I started applying that to myself. And man, look, I'm not real far in person in real life away from that character of dynamite you see out there and at the shows i mean i might crank it up just a little more for those events but that's just who i am naturally i like to see people happy i like to see people having a good time and at the level we're at the regional level man look ticket sales are everything to us right we don't have big money television contracts and big huge money sponsors so on and so forth so you got to make sure people get their money's worth you got to make sure they're entertained because yeah. come down to it, that's what this is all about. Oh, absolutely. I remember that show that uh, I guess we had a situation with the PA system and we couldn't get the uh, the national anthem playing. Dynamite went there and acapella that thing and <laughs> let it go and did amazing. Oh. The whole crowd was like a sing-along Dynamite was leading in there. It was beautiful. Do we have any video of this? I'm sure Dynamite does. Yes, there's video out there. Where? I've never been stricken with fear so quickly or sharply in all my life, fellas. When he didn't have that national anthem and myself being the MC, the master of ceremonies, it's your job. Hey, the show's got to go. You've got to keep things cracking. You've got to keep it on point. So I kind of didn't know what to do, and I just started singing. Didn't know, okay, am I really going to be able to remember all the words to this? I'm not a singer. I'm a talker. But we got through it. The crowd gave me a pretty decent ovation. But the funny thing is that a lot of guys didn't see. I had to go behind the curtain in Arrows in New Orleans. And I mean, just melted like a stick of butter in the microwave. The whole body was trembling. I had to shake that stuff off, man, get my composure back to go back out there and get through the rest of the night. A lot of pressure there. I'm pretty sure if you fuck up the lyrics, you you have to denounce your citizenship. You're on a boat, a one-way boat out if you fuck up the lyrics, right? That's what I've heard. I mean, there's been, I, I there's been a so. lot of celebrities do it on a national that. level. 
What did uh, Christina Aguilera yeah. forgot like a whole a whole stanza of it at the Super Bowl one year? Like, yeah. Biggest Bad stage for the yeah. for the national anthem. Biggest stage for the national anthem. We'd have the group be the Super Bowl, and she's got like a whole a whole section of it. Just like, yeah, we don't need that. We we're pressed for time. Push through. Push through. But uh, yeah, dynamite. Well, so know, a little piss ain't like dynamite. I was able to get it right, so I guess I did okay. Oh, you did amazing. So was it always out there in the tuxedo, or did you start off kind of relaxed in jeans and a t shirt? Hawaiian or? shirts. Yeah, I'm a Hawaiian shirt guy myself. No, I've always. Coming up as a young man watching boxing with my dad and so many other events, man, I've always felt like, hey, ring announcer, it doesn't matter if you're in a bingo hall or if you're in the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, you bring your butt out there in a the tuxedo. Right. It's just part of it. Growing up watching WWF, watching Howard Finkel, doing all the big Hulk Hogan matches when I was a kid at WrestleMania and such, always in the tuxedo. Buffer's always in a tuxedo. So I started out with that and I've always run with it. Now you've noticed here because of the COVID craziness, some of these outdoor events we've been doing. Look, guys, I, I'm no slim, trim, lean, mean <laughs> athlete or anything. Us fat boys like to sweat. So old Dynamite does the vest and tie combo when I'm working the outdoor events, of course. Right. But so it's still casually formal, but at the same time, you just can't do the tuxedo when you're outdoors. Other oh. than that, I'm always in a tuxedo, man. Yeah, absolutely. I've had to fill, I've filled in for Dynamite a couple times when he had some scheduling conflicts, and I was always the jeans, T-shirt, sports coat guy. I always tell these uh, promoters, like, hey, I'm not Dynamite. I'm going to give you my best, but I am not Dynamite. <laughs> like, like, let's get that eye to eye real quick. Uh, but, yeah, man, I always enjoy doing it, and it's it's an amazing feeling being in there and having that having that uh, that rush to hit you so and I'm not out there putting on the show like Dynamite. I'm out there just trying to get through the nights. Yeah. Uh, so Dynamite, with you've been doing MC work in MMA for how long now? This is my 13th year now. Wow. 13th year. You've seen a lot of local guys come through and catapult to superstardom. Uh, I guess my, my man, it's uh it's such a cool feeling when somebody you know you introduce them one time at the entry level when they were an amateur or at the regional level, uh, for lack of a better term, that's kind of what I call where we're at guys, the regional level. Yeah. It's so cool. When you saw somebody come up and honing their, their craft, cutting their teeth in the business there, you got the intro to their hometown crowd. And then I'm at home watching them on pay-per-view eating popcorn. And say, hey, I introduced that guy one time, you know, it's a nice feather in your hat, man. It really is. And I love seeing guys successful. I really do guys that are achieving their dreams, making it to the top Nothing makes you happier than seeing somebody you know that you were part of it in the early days for them, making it all the way to the top of this industry, man. That's a great feeling. Well, let me ask you, Dynamite Man, what's one of your favorite guys? You saw him come up. You got to announce him on the regional circuit, and now you're watching him in the big leagues. Well, let's see. There's been a couple guys that have kind of come and gone. One man, Jason Knight. Hick Diaz, Mississippi Mean. Goddamn straight. Jason Knight always put on a show, man. One of the first times I witnessed in person a five-round, five-minute true championship bout. It was it was uncanny. It, it, I compared a lot to NASCAR. If you watch NASCAR on television, that shit's dull as, as watching paint dry. But if you go to Talladega Super Speedway and you sit in those stands and you've got 43 drivers rolling by you at 203 miles an hour, the ground shaking, the wind's blowing, your heart's racing, you feel the rumble of those 800-horsepower V8s go by, it's a totally different experience. It's the same thing when you're in person seeing just how long that five-minute round is 
watching two guys do five rounds. I mean, hooking and jabbing, scooping and slamming, hanging and banging. <laughs> it is incredible. And seeing Jason Knight do that the first few times was amazing, man. And then you saw what he did in the UFC. I mean, he was tear-assing through the division his first few fights. And, of course, who's ever going to forget what he did in the bare-knuckle fighting championship with Artem Lobov? Right. I mean, that fight will go down as one of the greatest ever as far as that sport's concerned. Well, I don't think they'll ever top that. I, I call it one of the greatest combat sports events of all time. One of the greatest combat sport matchups of all time, him and Artem. That was incredible. Yeah, bare, bare knuckle has to be the the most grassroots to any combat sports. Me and you, we're going to stand here in this circle and throw punches at each other. And the thing I love the most about bare knuckle is if you're not going to fight, they're going to take your money. Like they demand action. These people paid to see a fight. You're yeah. going to give them a fight or you're not getting paid. Yeah, they're even getting guys that aren't super well known they're from the regional circuit but they want to fight and they put on good fights and yeah, that's, uh, that's the most important thing for even them. even old magic mike who's a who's a local guy went in there and beat the brakes off yep. crazy horse made him quit in the corner yeah there's a bunch of guys that you might have never heard of and they're in their third fourth or fifth fight with bare knuckle only because they like to fight and they press the action but yeah there's been a, let's say a lot of great fighters that i've called that have made it to the ufc that have made it to the bellator and man i'm just i'm proud of each and every one of them you know, I'm not that different from them. I mean, most guys that do what I do, we all want to land with a big organization one day. We want to be under the bright lights and on the big screen. But it's it's a little bit of an easier avenue for fighters than it is for guys in my role. But, man, it does. I, I love seeing guys successful, and I love seeing those around me make it to the big time, man. Absolutely. Like right now, we've got two guys out of Gladiators Academies, two different ones that I am so stoked about, and I hope they get to see it here real soon. So, so I think one we know of one of them. AJ the Ghost Fletcher. Yep. And the other is Brandon Thug, Passion All Abraham. right. Can't yeah. wait to see those guys make it to the big dance. Oh, yeah. They were supposed to take their next step this weekend, but the fight, uh, the fights got canceled due to a little corona. Yeah. But uh, I think they're going to be – when I'm, the rumor I heard was they're going to be rescheduled for the 17th, but that should be the next step on Brandon Abair and AJ Fletcher's um, – past the greatness um i really like to see aj fletcher and chris anthony run it back later on uh you know he had the AJ, uh chris had the fluke injury with his knee going out early in that fight and i know aj wants that fight too so i'd love to see those two animals get back at it later on down the road that's two prime athletes right there and chris anthony now christopher getting you know father time waits for no man he's getting into the twilight of his career of course yep. But I've called several of Christopher's fights all across Louisiana and Mississippi. Yep. I mean, he's an absolute stud. And, yeah, I was so looking forward to that fight. Not to want to say that I was disappointed that it ended fast because I was happy for AJ to see him get the win. Right. But I think that could have been so entertaining. That's such a great matchup on paper for those two fighters right there at 170. Absolutely. And that that's kind of the common thread that we hear like with every fighter he, every fighter that we've interviewed. Like, who do you think is going to make it from the local level next? Yep. And it's the unanimous uh, decision is AJ Fletcher. AJ is going to be that guy. I guess AJ, I'm personally trying to see which weight class AJ is going to land at. If he's going to make it at 170, or is he going to have to drop yeah. some muscle and get down to 55? Like be 170. I don't, well, I don't well, see him getting down to 150. He's just so short at, at, at 170. It kind of reminds me of Vandalay when Vandalay yeah. used to fight at heavyweight. Mm. That's where I was leaning along with you there, Nick. AJ is a stud athlete. But when you're dealing with 170s and you're talking about guys at the UFC and some of the higher levels, yeah, I think the height is really going to come into play for AJ because he is he's a little short on stature as far as the height goes, and that attributes to reach. Right. So when you're in there with a guy who's 170, 6'1", 6'2", 6'3", 
he's got a reach four five inch reach advantage on you. That makes it really, really difficult. And that limits your game is what you can do inside of the cage. And I guess Dustin, uh, I mean, uh, AJ has the best uh, tool right now with training constantly with uh, Dustin. So with, with, with yep. DP, like he's constantly got somebody in there. And uh, speaking of DP, like coming in earlier tonight, uh, I was reading the uh, current news and they said the UFC has offered Connor the rematch with Dustin. Dustin very quickly uh, tweeted that he accepts this yeah. fight. He wants this fight. Yep. Um, I love Dustin. I, I just don't know. How, I don't know if he can get it done with Connor. So Dustin has signed waiting on Connor yep. to, to send back waiting on Connor. Cause I think earlier in the week, Connor offered him a fight in December for his charity organization, which I think that should happen too. as just kind of like a grappling kind of thing. Cause that would be awesome for the well, good fight. That's foundation. The big mystery. That's the big mystery with that fight right now, guys, you see Connor is trying to somewhat rebuke the UFC. I think maybe there's a little bad blood or a little beef going on there right now. Yeah, between him so and Dana. Connor is wanting to do the fight in Ireland, bring Dustin over there. And, of course, Dana's not going to let that happen. Hey, this is a big money potential fight for the company of UFC. Yeah. Dustin's under contract with the but UFC. If it, but if, but if, so it's, but if it's for charity, if it's for charity and it's not a real fight, it's an exhibition, I don't think the UFC can step in. If it's if a charity, uh, you're right. If That's it's a charity a, event for an exhibition, grade. yeah. Well, I, I know guys can get into like uh, submission underground. They can do grappling tournaments and that kind of stuff. So there is some stipulations that you you can get out and you can perform. I don't know about a mixed martial arts act uh, performance that you're getting paid for. Like Nick right. saying, yeah, maybe if it's an exhibition, maybe because they, no they money listed it for involved. an exhibition yeah. for charity. So neither man would would profit at least yeah. up front. I mean, but the Good Fight Foundation would make a ton of money, and that's a great organization that Dustin has. Yeah, I, I don't know if there's any loopholes in the contract or anything, but obviously Dana was on top of it. Hey, you guys want to make yeah. the fight? Cool. Contracts are on their way, and right. we, we we've been talking the past couple of weeks about Dustin needing to get his money. He'll definitely get yeah. his money in this fight. Dustin need Dustin deserves to be paid. Like deserves to yeah. be paid. And will be paid time. in I've full. I've made that this same fight. comment several times. Dustin is due up, man, for that half million dollar, six hundred thousand dollar payday again. Oh, he's due, he's due for those. Know, he's due Dustin. for those million dollar paydays. I think Dustin should be getting two two mil a fight at this point in his career. Like we, uh, Jeff, right? And Dustin's getting again. He's he's getting a little older. You know, he's starting to get to the latter part of his career as well. Right. And when you look at what he did, I mean, going into the Khabib fight, he was the interim lightweight champion. Khabib, it was the former. And they go in and look how lopsided the pay on that was. Yeah. Now I understand over there in Abu Dhabi, you know, Khabib is the draw. But still, I mean, to be that lopsided on the pay scale was, was a little shocking to me. And look, you want to talk about character, fellas. You can't say enough about the diamond, Dustin Poirier. When that man first got signed by the UFC, some of your, your common Fairweather fans really don't understand how the pay scale works for an entry-level fighter with yep. the UFC. These guys don't make a lot of money just because they're signed with them. And then when you look at the expenses they have to incur, when you're training to fight the best, you've got to have somebody to train you like the best. That all costs money, your camp, your gym, your team. And Dustin was giving money back to his community before he had that kind of money to give. He was building playgrounds for kids. He was buying book sacks and school supplies for kids back in the Acadiana Lafayette area. I mean, Dustin was doing great things before he really financially was, I think was able to do that. So yeah. that's just a testament to the character of Dustin and what he's done yeah. through his experience. in this Yeah. Sport. Without, without a doubt, he's the, he's the people's champ with, with, without a doubt. As real as it gets, Dustin. And man. Jeff and I, Jeff and I have talked about this with a couple different guys and we agree that, 
Dustin arguably went on the greatest win streak in UFC history on his way to that fight with Khabib. Oh, of course he did, man. I mean, you you look at the amount of wins he amassed in a row consecutively. And who he was beating up. By yes. today's standards. And look at who he beat. I mean, it was a who's who of the division to get to there. Yeah, he trashed Max Holloway. Like Max Holloway has Max Holloway has never been beat up like that before in his life. I don't, I don't, wouldn't imagine. And then he lost it. Then he lost it. Then he lost it to be came back and absolutely dismantled the, uh, Dan Hooker. Yeah, Pettis, Gaethje, Alvarez, Holloway. That right there. And Dan Hooker's nobody to be taken lightly. Yeah. I mean, Dan is a monster in that cage. And like you said, look at what Poirier did. I mean, Dustin right now is, as he should be, at the top of his game, the best he's ever been. And I heard a little doubt in your voice earlier there, Nick, about him you know, beating Connor. I feel like right now Dustin has his best chance. If he steps in there with Connor McGregor, I think Dustin has every bit of a chance to beat him than, than, than anybody else out this there is, right this, now. This is what I I'll, think this is what I'll, can beat Connor McGregor. This is what I'll say about that fight. I wholeheartedly want Dustin to win that fight. Oh my God, I would love Dustin to win. But if I had to put money on it, uh, it's it's hard to bet against Conor McGregor. Here's the thing also is that everybody knows McGregor. We've seen him fight. We've seen the people that he's fought, but he does it so infrequently these days. And ring rust is a real thing. Dustin's in there twice, three times a year. And this isn't something that's new for Conor. This has been since 2016, 2015, The ring rust doesn't seem... Doesn't seem- Real for Connor. I mean, he went in there, went four rounds with Khabib, came in and absolutely destroyed Cowboy. I think Connor's he, just a different animal. Yeah, he well, he beat an older Cowboy, and, and he beat him quick, which is the formula to beat Cowboy, right? You go in there quick. If you can knock him out in the first, it's an easy. If you get past, if he gets past the first, it's a whole different fight. But if you get there quick and you, all right, so Cowboy, uh, Eddie Alvarez, but I mean, starched Eddie Alvarez. Yeah, and and look, Alvarez is great, and then we've got Aldo before that in. An amazing performance, but it does, it doesn't really tell us a lot about you have to, Conor McGregor. You have to you have to be able to take Conor to the to the to the later rounds, yeah. Because a Conor's left hand is like a missile, yeah. And what it hits, it destroys. But that's it since 2016, right? We've got Eddie Alvarez. That's not a bad record. Eddie Alvarez, Cowboy, and then uh, Jose Aldo. I think that was in 2016. So he he's not fighting enough. I I think to give him credence against these top-level guys. I've got to ride with Hoffman on this one. If they step in the cage right now, I'd be willing to put my money on the line. Dustin Poirier wins that fight. Because of everything Jeffrey just mentioned, the ring rust, so much distraction, such a long layoff, I do. And Dustin is on top of his game right now, as sharp as he's ever been. I think Poirier wins that fight against McGregor if they can do it here in in the near future. I mean, I would be ecstatic for that. And I think that if Dustin does get in there, he does beat McGregor. That puts him right back in title contention at any weight class. Because at the end of the day, you just hey guys, beat Conor I'll tell McGregor. You, this past weekend over in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, old Dynamite had the pleasure of working with Gulf Coast MMA. Yeah, and, and Brandon Davis. Absolutely fantastic event. Sold out. The Lake Terrace Convention Center, we were outdoor in an area they called the lawn. Mm. We had over, I think it was 152, maybe 155 tables. Every single seat in the house was sold out. And this event was absolutely phenomenal. The main event, we had Brandon Killer B. Davis just recently released from the UFC. But again, it was one of those releases where making the guys let him know, hey, go out there, win another fight or two, and we're going to bring you right back. 
we have interest in you. We know you're a talented fighter, but right now, you know, we've got to make some cuts. You're going to fall into that, but we want to bring you back. So we had him taking on Brad Machine Gun Kelly, mm-hmm. and Brad re- uh, representing Graham in the May right there in Pedal, Mississippi, Eric Graham, the head trainer over there. And guys, I tell you what, it was an absolute war. There were some weight cut issues out of the Kelly camp. Yeah, Kelly came in. Brandon heavy. Davis still took the fight. Man, look, I'm telling you guys, it was absolutely fantastic. <sighs> How did it, Blood and guts, spit flying fists, leather slapping. It was great. How did it end? I haven't seen results anyway. I know that Brandon won. What was the final result? The final result, we went to a split decision, and it was the scores were 29-28 for Kelly. Then you had a 29-28 for Davis and a 30-27 for Davis was your final score on the bout, and Brandon Killer B. Davis walked away with the win. But it was. It was an absolute fight, and, I mean, it was just a testament to the heart and the toughness, the tenacity of both of those guys. I mean, when it was all said and done, Kelly came in the day of the fight. He was right at the 170 mark. Brandon Davis still at 155 took the fight, and, I mean, it was. It was fantastic. It was everything you would expect out of a main event, and it did not disappoint, guys. Great, great show. Uh, so dynamite, a uh, quick question. Who has the greatest entrance that you've personally ever witnessed? As MMA on the local regional scene, when you're MCing, who has the greatest walkout you've ever seen? My personal favorite is a more recent walkout is Elliot Hebert. Oh, his, yeah. int- his walkouts to Electric Avenue bring me so much joy in life. And then he leaps from the ground into the cage. That dude has so much pure athleticism. It's crazy. Yeah. It's unfair. God's not fair when he hands out <laughs> athleticism. Yeah, Dynamite, I, I know I've heard you talk with uh, Abe, uh, Elliot about his walkout. You agree with uh, Nick here? Is that is that who you've got? Number one, best local oh, regional walkout. Several shows that I've hosted that Elliot has fought on, and a lot of times it's the biggest pop of the night when he comes out. And that goes back to what I was talking to earlier, guys. You've got to find a way to separate yourself from the pack when you're working at the level we are. And Elliot Abair has done that. That kid is a phenomenal athlete, mm-hmm. the likes of which you'll never see, I'd never see again. I mean, he is an absolute stud. He is tough as a $2 steak. You just about can't hurt him. Now, he's got to learn a little more as far in the realm of that. He's got a more fighting. control, a little he's more control. Get, he's got to hone his craft a little bit. Yep. But he's a he young guy, though. It factor. He's a young, young guy. Oh, he's got a bright, bright future ahead of him. Unlimited potential swing on Elliot B. Good Bear. And I have whispered in his ear at, at several events, sometimes when he didn't come out with the win, just to let him know, you know, so much of what you can't coach into a young man or a young woman, you've got already. Just keep grinding in the gym, keep getting better at your craft, get better inside the cage, and the future is very, very bright for that young man. Very he's, bright. He's, he's another one of the local guys that is also a phenomenal human being. Like he yeah, has, great guy. He does phenomenal work. You always see him doing something to better his area and his community. Yeah, and he's got an amazing story. I don't know if you know a lot about Elliot and his uh, history. Uh, our Ryan Fontenot has a podcast from out in Lafayette and he's got like an hour and a half conversation with him. Just an incredible story through everything that you can imagine. It's just so good coming from somebody like him. Right. Cause like we know him now as, you know, like what you're, you're saying, right. Complete athletic stud, uh, amazing guy, uh, all this potential, but he's definitely had his path to get to where he is today. Right. And look, that's one of the bright spots of being who I am and getting to do what I do guys. Like I said, again, this is my 13th year 
I work for right now probably five different MMA promotions, two different boxing promotions, two different professional wrestling promotions, three bodybuilding promotions. So, I mean, I, I get around a lot. And I've gotten to meet so many fantastic people. Like Sherlock said, when he first knew me, who is this obnoxious, loudmouth jerk <laughs> in the cage? Didn't care for me. But over time, old Dynamite worked him over. Now we're partners. Oh, yeah. Same thing. I've got to meet forever. so many great people, man. And all these fighters and these fans, I mean, they are legitimately, I call them my Dynamaniacs, but they are my friends, man. It's my second family. And I look so forward to going to these events because I get to see these people, man. We talk on Facebook a little bit. Some of us, we have phone conversations from time to time. But getting to see them and spend time with them, it's a very special moment for me. And I don't think a lot of those fighters or fans will ever know just how important they are to me, to what I do, and how excited I get to go out and actually get to interact and spend some time with them, man. I agree. And getting to know guys like Dustin Poirier, Elliot Bear, you know, uh, Justice Lamprez, Brandon Bear, some of the guys we talked about here tonight. I mean, it is, man. It's just so fun for me. Like, I'm really looking forward coming up November 13th. I'll be going to Shreveport with AKA American Combat Alliance, Bishop Promotions. And up there in Shreveport, the fans have taken to me. That's almost like my second home. And I haven't been there since February and March of this year. So I'm very excited to get to go down there and see all my friends and my fans, the Dynamaniacs over in Shreveport. Great group of fighters up there. A lot of good fight camps up there, man. I really look forward to it every time I go to one of those events. Oh, yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying 100%. And the people on the outside that aren't a part of the inner workings of these shows will never truly understand. Like, these guys are an extended family. I feel the same way. Like, I miss seeing these guys because most of these guys, we get busy with our daily lives and our families. And it's that age-old saying, out of sight, out of mind, that it's a true thing. Like, if you're not have to deal with somebody in everyday life, it's real easy to lose touch. But here in Louisiana on the MMA scene, it's a lot of the same camps, a lot of the same guys you see yeah. over and over again. So, you know, at least once, maybe twice a month, I'm going to see these guys. I'm going to get five, 10 minutes of FaceTime with them to say, hey, how you doing? What's going on, man? It's good to see you, you know, and move on. Like, and to not have MMA since I haven't been to a show since, I mean, uh, in Louisiana since January. And here we are approaching October here in the next couple of days. I mean, uh, I'm ready to get Louisiana MMA back going, back on the road, man. Ready to get back into the cage yourself. Ready to get back in the cage myself. Like I love being in there. I love sitting judging fights. And that's it. You know, Nicholas, you and I, a lot of times we show up to an event. There's me, you, and the referees and the judges from the commission. And hell, a lot of times I'll fall behind on some of the prep work I've got to be doing because I'm trying to catch up with you guys. And we're talking about, oh, hey, yeah. what's been going on? What's going over here? Would you see that last UFC event? And we're just catching up, having that camaraderie, man, yeah. in the top of each other. Yeah, I that, say it a lot of times when it comes to MMA, you know, a lot of guys, your enemies inside the cage, but outside the cage, you, this sport, we're, we're a family. Oh, For yeah. lack of a better term, we really are just that. Oh, yeah. We're not a perfect family. We have our spats and disagreements. But I mean, at the end of the day, we all love each other. And this this is our sport. And, and we fight to protect it. We fight to keep it growing, fight to get it better. And the Louisiana uh, Boxing Commission works together like none other. We have an amazing staff here in the state of Louisiana. And I think we're one of the uh, best staffs out there. And, and I really do believe that. Yeah. Always, always I can confident. second you on that one, Nicholas. I work in Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, and Florida. I frequent, I've got a pretty good circuit that I run. I frequent those states very, very often, have been for a lot of years now. And I'm not saying anything detrimental towards any other athletic commission. I enjoy spending time with all those guys. But we do. We have a very special group. 
here in the state of Louisiana. And all those guys headed up with Mr. Ricky Norris, the head of MMA for the state of Louisiana. But man, as far as referees and judges, good group of guys, very committed to this sport and very committed to the athletes that participate in this sport here in our state. Yeah, I'd have to agree, Dynamite, man. I always have the utmost confidence. I'm at an event in Louisiana. Look, I know it's going to be refed well. I know it's going to be judged well. I know it's going to be uh, a top-notch event. So just mirroring off what Nick is saying, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, maybe a lot of gripes to be had about Louisiana. I don't know that combat sports is one of them. No, exactly not. And there's nothing more frustrating sometimes or heartbreaking when you're at an event and you see a fighter. Sometimes it's just there's no other way to describe it. That fighter got robbed. And on the amateur level, it's not such a big impact because you're still an amateur. But once you become a professional fighter, you know, that, that has to do with your drawing power as far as your ticket sales, how much money you can command as a main yeah. event fighter. That affects your career climbing to get yeah. noticed by Even the Even in an amateur league. fight. You know, a lot of guys say that they, they don't count. And they don't count. They don't count officially, but they do count, right? So even you see a couple of weeks ago, we saw some amateur fights. And I think that the refs think, you know, well, they're amateur, so we can do it a little bit differently, or we can, we can, you know, uh, maybe try to protect this fighter in a, in a different way. So we might call it a little bit earlier. And uh, man, I would have to disagree with that so much because uh, even though they, they don't count officially, I mean, it still matters a hell of a lot to that fighter. It still matters a hell of a lot to the people who are looking at maybe taking him to the next level, and they see his professional career and they want to see what type of win streak he's been on since. Uh, he turned professional, right? And if he's got a loss or two that's questionable, I mean, it's, it, 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 Absolutely. it can, it can change the trajectory. matchmaker's ability as well. Absolutely. If you're a matchmaker, yep. you're looking to match somebody up, hey, I've got a 3-0 and amateur, or I've got a 4-1 and amateur. Well, that's going to make a big difference to that coach or that gym owner. It's okay, well, I want to put this guy out there, but if your guy's 1-5 as an amateur or if he's 3-0, and that makes a big difference yep. as to who they're going to match up with so you get better quality fights. And for these fighters, you know, you want to fight the best you can. That way you're, you're, you're getting better. You're sharpening your skills. Yeah, and I would say, you know, and, and this is on all levels, you never want to leave it into the judge's hands. But I would say, you know, particularly when you're on the regional circuit, when you're in the local circuit, you don't want to leave it in the judge's hands, you know, because you don't know what relationship they might have with these fighters or it, you, you might not know the, the professionalism of, of these guys. You don't want to leave it into the judge's hands, right? You want to go in there, get it done, get the finish, get the W, and get out. That That's always the goal in, in MMA is to never leave it in the judge's hands. Yeah. But, I mean, I might be a little biased, hey, look, but, I don't, saw, but I don't think I am. I think in Louisiana, if, you're, if your fight goes to the cards, the right guy is going to win. Yeah. Uh, we, get it, we get it right, I'd say, 99% of the time. Yeah. And, guys, we saw it a couple months back at the UFC Houston that was an absolute debacle, some of those fights. Absolutely. And that is, you know, the UFC. But now again, the UFC doesn't hire the commission of the judges. No. So it's not necessarily a black eye on them. But look at the way some of those fights with the Andrea Lee fight. Look at some of the fights, how they went down that night in Houston. Yeah. And even you know, the fans could realize what in the blue blank is going on yeah. here. And it's just, again, unprofessionalism. Because we know what happens. You have guys that might have a connection to a athletic commission in a state or they might have used to be involved but they haven't done anything in years well all of a sudden the big show comes to town they pull a little political stroke and they want to get cage side well that's not doing any justice to these fighters that are fighting for a career that are fighting for a paycheck that are fighting for a living you know what i mean absolutely 
So, yeah, like you guys said, you never want to leave it to the judges whenever you can avoid it. But one great thing about the state of Louisiana for sure is our judges do a pretty jam-up job. Yeah, agreed. So, Dynamite, what is your favorite fight that you've personally been caged side to watch? Amateur, pro, don't matter. Which which in the Dynamite Hall of Fame, when somebody says, when you look back on your fights, if you could go back in time and sit cage side and watch this fight play out exactly the way it did one more time, which old barn burner would that be? Old barn burner, a slobber knocker. Let's see, man. There's been there's been quite a few good ones. I mean, when Elliot A. Bear and Javier Divide yeah. did it in Baton Rouge for by UFC, that was fantastic. The one I just watched with Gulf Coast MMA in Hattiesburg, Brad Kelly and Brandon Davis, fantastic. But you know, Nick, one that always jumps up in my mind. I don't remember the venue. I mean, been doing this so long, I do so many so fast. It was for Go- um, Global Fighting Alliance when Alan Gray was still promoting. Joe Ancona. Uh, Joe Ancona was the referee this night. I don't remember if we were in Lafayette at the Blackham Coliseum or if we were in Alexandria around the Rapids Parish Coliseum. We were in one of those two buildings. But Rich No Love Clemente fought. And I, I, my mind's drawing a blank right now. The name. I think of the that was. I think fought. that was at the uh, at the PMAC because Kyle Bradley and Tim fought on that card too. Correct. Okay, but the guy he fought. He I think that was punishment at the PMAC. Book for him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Rich got busted Man, open. Guys, Rich, Rich came in what. with the with the uh with he can't he got cut in practice a few weeks earlier, uh, so he had like a fresh on. wound. So he was busted open immediately. Oh, that was that was if a fight. If anybody else repping that fight, they might have would have looked into stopping it, but Ancona let it go. I mean, Rich had a hole <laughs> in his head. Just every time his heart would beat, the blood would push. He put him. Was, he put him. He just, put him in an arm triangle. Fight, that was a bloody fight. Uh, old Jared Brignac had a, had a bloody it fight. It was that back night and too. forth. It was man. Look, it was awesome, and I was still fairly young in my career at the time. And I, I'll tell you a quick story, guys. It was funny. When I first uh, really got going at this, I was a big, big fan of Rich Clement. Huge fan of Rich. Well, then there was this magazine came out called Fighters Only. With the inaugural magazine, first one, Rich is on the cover. I'm in a Winn-Dixie, Walmart, something. I bought the magazine. And as I go flipping through and reading, had no idea Rich lives right there in Slidell, <laughs> Louisiana. Well, I live in Covington. Wow. Absolutely. So I'm just, I'm marking out, dude, so hard. Like, oh, my God, he's, he's 30 miles down the road from me. And it wasn't long after that I started to kind of get to know Rich, and he started popping up at a lot more events, so I got to meet him personally. But, man, I was such a huge fan of Rich I had that same. I had that same uh, thing. Cause right after the Ultimate Fighter series, Season 4 is when I started training with a group of guys out in – out in Lafayette, we were training in somebody's garage, had a box. I, mean, I thought, man, like, we're doing it. Uh, then I went to have my first fight, got trashed. Uh, <laughs> then I met J.C. Pennington, mm-hmm. and J.C. was like, hey, well, where do you train? I was like, oh, I train with these guys. He goes, well, if you want to do this, man, you need to get in a legitimate gym. He goes, I train with Rich Clemente. Why don't you come train with us uh, out in Slidell? Yep. And we were out on the Pontchartrain Center at that time. I mean, we were on Pontchartrain Park in like an old machine shop at this time. And... The Ultimate Fighter season four was on and I watched it. I was like, oh, man. But the first time I walked in the gym and saw Kenny So Tough Stevens and saw Rich Clemente, I was starstruck. I was like, really? Like, oh, man, like this. This is great. And Rich has become one of my best friends in the the entire world. He's my daughter's godfather now. Incredible. Exactly, man. And uh, another time that happened to matter of fact, guys, the first ever event that I hosted was over here in Mandeville, Louisiana, Renaissance MMA. We were at the Castine Center. Castine and the main Center. event 
was the main event was Scott the Grizzly Bear Barrett, and he was taking on Sean the Savage Jordan. I fought on I that think card. It was Sean's first ever amateur fight. I fought and on that card. Sean you announced me as well. The cage. When Sean come walking to the cage, he's got almost the entire LSU national championship team with him. You're going to oh, kill yeah. him. Like, he was in Bro. there. All these guys are with Matt him. Flynn. Dude, I'm in the cage. Old Dynamite's packing a semi, and I'm like a little schoolgirl. Yeah, you, oh, you know, Dynamite's a huge, huge Tiger guys. fan, so it all. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> That's when uh, I'm a huge LSU fan. We had big Glenn so Dorsey that year, guys, that night. Yeah, to have all those guys and Sean Jordan come into the cage. And it's my first event ever. Guys, I can't tell you just how cool that was, man. And I remember all these years going back. It's like, God, you were such a rookie. <laughs> <laughs> That's I when they had myself so many times, man. That's when the only local promotion uh, was like beat to sleep uh, clothes and stuff like that. But like I was saying, uh, yeah, I thought Trey, I thought Trey Beal still on beat to sleep. Yep. Then they had old Sterling out there uh, in his kilt. Yeah, I fought Jeremy Meadows that night and uh, lost to him by a rear naked choke. Uh, but that's when I was training with my garage buddies. But that's the night I met J.C. Bennington. Yeah, awesome. Well, my apologies. I've got no recollection of you fighting. Oh, because I was an LSU I Tiger. I was Jordan that night, man. I was the very first fight on that card. Walked to the cage. <laughs> got, got choked out, walked right out. I got choked out in about a minute and a half. I remember him coming in. I landed a hard hook. He teat me, and I had never been teat before, and I was like, what was that? <laughs> he shot in. My, uh, my, my, my knee's not supposed to bend that way. What the? We had a we had a scramble where he, he ended up mounting me and ended up having to give up my back to try to turtle up, yeah, and he sunk yeah, in a choking. Yeah. That was all she That wrote. was the first night I ever met Joanne Cola as well. Awesome. There was a fighter, and I was getting his info to introduce him in the cage. He told me he built fought for Ancona's Built Right Gym or something like that in Metairie. Okay. So I introduced him that way with this poor kid just got skull drugged. He got smashed <laughs> inside the cage. Well, as I'm leaving the cage, I'm going to walk to somewhere to get out of the way. This ball headed guy in a sports coat jumped up, but he snatched me up on my jacket. He said, come here, boy, let me tell you something. You don't ever announce some MF or saying he's fighting for my MF and Jim and the mama. I don't know who this guy is. And I'm like, whoa. So I go grab Warren Donnelly. He was the matchmaker. I'm like, Warren, I don't know who that old ball-headed guy over there is, but he just grabbed me, put his hands all over me. You better go do something about him. Then years later, I realized, yeah, that was Joe Ancona. But that was my first experience ever meeting Joe was that night, and I think I had him threw out of the building. Oh, that's so awesome. <laughs> that's a wild Oh, man. funny stories, man. Just so many good times over the years. So many good times. Oh man, yeah, this, this is, is uh, MMA this is a wild ride. Band, and I've, I've been so blessed to be a part of it and watch the rise. Again, you, you talk about the the advance. We talked about it a little before we started the interview, guys. You know, the 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 science of sport, how it has evolved, and how much this sport has evolved. I remember in the early days, whenever we would do a show around, and you had somebody from American Top Team would pop up, you just knew yeah. whoever the local guy was. Man, that's that, that's your ass, buddy. You're done. I mean, those guys were so far advanced. They were so far ahead of all your local gyms, your smaller schools. But now here we are, 8, 9, 10, 11 years down the road. And, man, it can be a school, a gym out of the woods out here that you've never heard of. And a kid can come out of there just packing some badass like you've never seen. Damn straight. Whereas in the early days, it was really lopsided. Not so much anymore, man. I mean, the sport has grown and evolved so much that you've just got talent everywhere. 
But I'll say this. There's no more greater talent pool anywhere in the country than right here on the Gulf Coast. We have put more fighters in Bellator, UFC, PFL, you name it. More have come out of Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, and Florida than anywhere else in the country. There is talent just falling out of the trees down here, man. Now, Dynamite, you've been in this for a long time. Are there any other changes that you've noticed over the last decade or so? from when you first started until now? Like, is there anything else that's just, like, very noticeable, something that you you can tell the listeners that, hey, man, this is this has gone a long way. This has come a long way since I started. It really has. Uh, I mean, you have seen the ground game of MMA go, yeah. so much. In the early days, a lot of times you would have guys, they would use takedowns. They would learn basic takedowns, single leg, double legs, maybe a sweep, get somebody to the ground, and then it was just, okay, what in the hell is going on here? Am I watching softcore gay porn? I don't know. But, <laughs> I mean, guys were just really inexperienced, just kind of gyrating on the ground, didn't really know what they were doing. And now you see young men, I mean, wrestlers, Brazilian jiu-jitsu guys, just the transitions and the holds and the submissions that they can find from so many different angles now. Again, that was always, in the first few years I did it, that was kind of the low point of a fight. If the fight went to the ground, you didn't know what you were, what to expect, and it got kind of dull. Whereas now, man, you almost look forward to it because you're seeing as much action down there as you are standing. I used to tell fighters, and I still do, hey, man, get yourself a good boxing coach. Learn how to use your hands. Incorporate a little bit of the sweet science because as the ground game has evolved, so many fighters are so enamored and they want to run to the Brazilian jiu-jitsu, they forget that, hey, a fight starts on its feet. A fight starts standing up, primary weapons one and two, your left and your right. you got to learn how to use those. A jab. You can set up so many combos and so many different things from mixed martial arts just from learning how to work a jab properly the way a highly trained boxer does. You know, I, I advise guys a lot of times, hey, learn to use your hands a little more. Brazilian jiu-jitsu is great. Sprawl's great. Learn your wrestling. But, man, you've got to learn how to start a fight as well. Don't go in there and jump on your back and say, jump into my guard. No, 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 no. Learn how to start that fight and push the pressure. Yeah, I, I have to agree. And I definitely have to agree with the evolution of the ground game over the last 10 years or so, as opposed to being exactly what you're saying. You, you shoot in for the takedown. Maybe you work some ground and pound. Now, I, I feel like you've got to be at least a blue belt to be able to compete past the amateur level. And I know that there's some gyms, I think Mid-City, uh, if you're in the MMA program, they're not even going to get you a fight until you're a blue belt, right? Uh, I, I wouldn't know off that. I mean, it doesn't sound unreasonable. Yeah, absolutely. It yeah. doesn't sound because unreasonable you, at all. Right I, I don't there. want Mid you representing my gym lot. and getting rear naked choked in the first 20 seconds, something like that, because you went to Turtle instead of you know setting up your guard, pulling guard and working a sweep or something like that, yeah. right? Absolutely. I mean, you talk about Mid-City Martial Arts and Fitness. Look at who's come out of there. I mean, Sean Gaten. Sean was the force to be reckoned with when he was fighting. And look at the Lee brothers. I mean, look at Tan Lee and his younger. I mean, oh, my goodness. Tan mm. is an absolute wrecking ball. Well, I don't think one championship knew what they were getting when they brought <laughs> him in. He has run through every opponent they have put in front of him. And we got to witness that, Nick, in, in early in his career, watching him fight at Harris right there in New Orleans. Tan Lee is phenomenal. I don't know what his future holds. If he's going to re-sign with one, or if he still has he's, he's ready opportunity to, fight. to get with UFC, he's going to but fight Don with Lee one for the title right now. Future. He's fighting for the one title next. 
and he needs to, man, because again, he nobody's made it out of the first round. No, with him he's over starched. There. He's starched. Is a everyone. monster. So and I, funny, you know, going back, Nicholas, to that night we met John Jones when he came to New Orleans. That was the same night Edson Barbosa was in our main event there at Harrison, New Orleans. Yep. Edson Barbosa fought Jose Figueroa, and Hoffman, you want to talk about one of the nastiest knockouts I've ever witnessed. Edson Barbosa hit Jose Figueroa so hard. Jose didn't speak English. I don't know that he spoke it at all, maybe just a very little bit. He got knocked out. And it wasn't your typical knockout. Okay, we're going to rub a little lights on his neck and we'll kind of break like lights out, knockout. him up. No, after 30 seconds, 45 seconds, a minute, they could not bring him to. So the, the paramedics come in, they hit him with the snipping saw. And finally he, he came to, and when he came to, they were strapping him to the board because they thought there was some uh. serious injury here. Well, him not speaking English, he came to, he panicked. He takes a swing at one of the paramedics. Then they, I mean, it was just no. absolute chaos. And once it was all finally calmed down, I remember talking with his trainer slash translator and Jose did not remember taking a flight to New Orleans or anything that night. Oh, wow. I mean, that's how hard Edson Barbosa hit him in New Orleans that night. Yeah, Edson, Edson Barbosa, Barbosa was a monster. Yeah, he's got uh, three out of his first five fights were here in New Orleans. Uh, Renaissance MMA? Oh, yeah. I guess in closing, Dynamite, I'll ask you a two-part question. One. Who is your Mount Rushmore of Louisiana MMA? And then the second part, who is the next four guys we should have our eye on? Let's see. Mount Rushmore, man, that, that, that's always a hard one to pick because, you know, right now in the spot of spur of the moment, I'm going to try to think of four for you, but I'm sure I'll forget somebody. All right, one, of course, now, Rich and not originally from here, but you got to put Rich No Love Clemente there. Yep. Yeah. You got to put Sean Jordan there. Look at where Sean went. You know, Sean made it to the UFC heavyweight, fought some other organizations. You've got to look at Tom, man. I love Tom Lee. Tom Lee has done a fantastic job. That would be three. Oh, uh, let's see. Who would be number four? It's going to be Dustin Poirier. Hands down. So, I mean, they, I guess there's yeah. your Mount Rushmore from Louisiana. Yeah, I guess, my, I guess, my, I guess my, my personal Mount Rushmore would be Rich, Sean Jordan, Daniel Cormier, Dustin Poirier. There you go. Yeah. I, Daniel Cormier slipped right through my mind. And I forget so many times right there in Lafayette, Louisiana. But see, I've personally never met Daniel. Yeah. In, in all my travels. I've personally around, never I've met never him either. i never got to rub elbows. From so here, but him. lives sometimes, like California, New Mexico. Yeah, sometimes like he kind of slips my mind and I do forget right here in Lafayette. So there's another one right there. It shows you the plethora of talent that has come from the Gulf Coast and especially right here in Louisiana. Absolutely. Now, next four upcoming I mean, you heard me talk about two of them earlier, man. Doug Fashion, Brandon Bear, A.J. Fletcher. Those two guys, very, very bright future for them. Big things coming down the road, of course. Oh, let's see. Who can I think there's two others that would be right here from the Louisiana area? And there, there's, there's so many good fighters from this area, man. You kind of put me on the spot. I'm drawing a blank here. I would think Jonathan I, Island. I, I, Jonathan Island. Jonathan Island. Jonathan is absolutely fantastic. A, a stud inside the cage. Four and zero. Yeah, Jonathan's the next guy. Give him the opportunity to make those couple big fights, and I think Jonathan will definitely open some eyes and show just how talented he is. Yeah, Jonathan's a fantastic young man. Man, hope the best for him. And uh, 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 forget the another one being. 
uh, what is the kid's name? We just we just watched the kid fight uh, from T Web MMA who busted that dude open right away. Uh, I can't think of his name. Was that was his first fight? Uh, it was at Atlas. Uh, Jeff and I were cage side for it. Uh, forget his name, but he was absolutely a thrill to watch. And I think that kid to see his first fight dynamite. Uh, he fought a guy from Calvin Hackney MMA. Came across flying, okay. throwing wild shots. His kid stayed tight. He pivoted. Threw an absolute bomb and bust this kid wide open in the very in the very opening seconds. Uh, another big exchange. He's landing lefts and rights. He stayed tight, stayed technical, dropping bombs. He kind of reminds me. He has like a Zach Fears type of feel to mm-hmm. him that he's just he's not going to break. Like he was just so well trained, and that's another credit to another amazing gym out here in T-Web MMA. Yeah, Hunter James. Hunter James is his yep. name. And look, there you go. We're talking about guys. Another one just jumped to my mind. Brendan All-In Allen. There yeah. you Brendan go. Allen, look at what Brendan Allen's making right a run right UFC. now, too. Absolutely. He's one of the we last guys from around that's, that's still getting it done. Yep. You remember WFC, World Fighting Championships, Bella Baton Rouge, at Cypress Bayou Casino. I mean, we couldn't find anybody to stop Brendan Allen. Yeah, even old Charlie Another Raider came out of retirement and couldn't get it done. I was there that night when Rich told him, you you win this fight, you call out Charlie Raider. And that fight, that was the next story I was going to lead into real quick. I know we're running out of time. Wildest thing I've ever seen. Brendan is fighting the guy, Zebulon Stroud, I think was his name. He might have represented Dixon's Dungeon over Mississippi. I might have that wrong, not real sure. But Brendan is mauling this guy, mauling him. And Rich Clemente is losing, excuse my language, losing his shit cage side. He is yelling at Brendan, 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 Brendan. Finally, Brendan is his full mouth just waylaying this kid. He stops. He looks at Rich says, what? Rich looks at him and goes, hey, man, smile. So Brendan <laughs> cracks a big smile. Okay. And then he goes back to beating this guy. And finally, the referee stopped it. And I'm right there when this exchange goes down. And my, my mouth was just wide open. It's like, wow. I watched, uh, I watched <laughs> he similar. He killing this guy, looks at his coach, gives him a big grin. Goes back to whipping on him, and then that was after that fight is when he called out Charlie Raider. Had a very same to the Ultimate Fighter, Rock Lesnar. You know what? That was his first pick, yep. his second pick. His first pick, Charlie Raider. Charlie was Raider. a hell of a guy in his day. Charlie tore his labrum in in that fight, and he kind of got a bad rap for it. People uh, didn't really realize that he actually was he was injured. He had to have surgery after that uh, after that injury, and they kind of played it off like you know he quit fighting, like he was legitimately injured. Uh, but I had a very similar experience with Rich. Uh, J.C. Pennington was fighting down in the bayou. It was like one of them old gyms. Uh, he was fighting a guy named John. I can't think of his last name for nothing. And uh, J.C. had head kicked this dude and dropped him, was on him and just dropping bombs. And Rich yells out, slow, stop, stop. One at a time. Don't let the ref stop the fight. <laughs> and so J.C. was just hitting him, one-shotting him, like backing up, one-shotting him, one-shotting him, just because this dude had talked the- so much shit. He was like uh, sticking okay. his tongue out at J.C., JC whipped this kid and Richard's like, stop, he's gonna stop the fight. Slow down how many times you're hitting him. <laughs> yeah, we got a few more minutes skill here. Slow right. Down, we, like, we, we need to add a little more punishment before we end this thing. We gotta stir this gumbo a little more. Oh man, Rich is old school, man. It's and what a what a blessing to have him from from here, right? Like, Absolutely. Or, or representing at least uh, not just Louisiana, but look, right here in the New Orleans metro area. Absolutely. Very lucky. Dynamite, what you got on the schedule, brother? All right, coming up, guys, we've got November the 13th. Old Dynamite goes to Shreveport, Louisiana for Bishop Promotions presentation of AKA-12 American Combat Alliance. 
five titles on the line. Big main event, Steve, the Average Jones, representing Team 515, taking on the seasoned veteran Josh Lee for the AKA Welterweight Championship. That goes down at George's Pond, AKA the historic Hirsch Coliseum in Shreveport, Louisiana. And then on November 21st, Gulf Coast MMA returns to Hattiesburg, Mississippi for Gulf Coast MMA number seven. And ladies and gentlemen, it will be a fight for the ages. And just another quick caveat at our last show this past weekend, Ja'Cory Savage, the defensive end for the national championship LSU Tigers last year, trains with T-Web MMA. He stepped into the cage and made his debut this past weekend with Gulf Coast MMA at Hattiesburg. And then after that, guys, the possibility of one early in November, nothing's been locked in just yet. So I'm kind of up for grabs on that one. I might have a bodybuilding show in Fort Walton Beach called uh, Rock Hard, NPC, National Physique Committee Qualifier. And outside of that, that might wrap it up for the year here with with me, at least, guys. Uh, There's possibility of something going in December. But again, right now, things are just very, very sketchy. You got to kind of see what's going on as far as with the COVID government regulations. I know things have eased a good bit in Florida. Mississippi just dropped their mask mandate. Florida, Florida, the all the way. Florida's wide open. Florida is wide Yeah, Florida's open. wide open. Yeah. Governor DeSantis, hey, he's uh, he's not bowed down to political pressure over there. He's followed the science. He's done what's best for his citizens and his state. And, hey, you got to respect that, you know? Yep. That's one of the beauties of our country, guys. It's It's a constitutional republic. We were set up to be individual country states. What's good for Florida might not be good for Louisiana. What's good for Louisiana might not be good for Ohio. And that's the beauty of our nation, man. It's not, you know, one solid power hierarchy that runs everything. That's why we have governors that run states in different ways. And that's one of the beauties of our system. Goddamn straight, man. I'm ready to hear you sing that national anthem again after that. All we got to do is is sabotage the sound system. You know, back by popular request. (laughs) (laughs) dynamite david hardy thank you so much for coming on the show before you head out though how's about giving nick and i that little introduction that we were talking about you know just a introduction for the fight sport focus podcast you know you can come in like hey guys this is the fight sport focus podcast off off the cuff with that dynamite freestyle yeah you got nick and this dude jeff you know and they're fucking out there you know talking about fights and doing cool shit or whatever you do you're the hype man i'm just I'm a bystander. You're the hype man. Do you want to give that a shot? We got Jeffrey, I got the stats Hoffman, and Nicholas Nicky, the G Sherlock, in studio every week, new episodes. Well, damn, uh, Dave, I I guess we don't need you because we got Nicky. I'm I'm like Dynamite Jr. I'm still like like a Padawan in this. I'm trying to run behind (laughs) old Dynamite. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure you tune in each and every time to the Power Podcast of the Year. That's right, our friends, the gruesome twosome, vicious and delicious, Jeffrey Hoffman and Nicholas Sherlock here on Fight Sports Focus, where fighters and fans come first. Something like that? Dude, absolutely. That was amazing. Oh, man, Dynamite, we definitely appreciate you stopping by and chatting up with us, man. Uh, like I said, we'll be set up for a live guest pretty soon. We'll get you back in studio and uh, hit part two with Dynamite. Yeah, thank you so much, brother. We'll see you soon. Dynamite, before we sign out, do you want to give anybody your social media handles? How can they get in touch with you? Guys, you can always find the maniacal maestro of the microphone, Old Dynamite, on Facebook. I've got two pages, 
My personal page, just David Hardy Jr. My fan page is Dynamite David Hardy World Class MC. Same thing, a couple videos. You want to check out some past stuff by Dynamite, go to YouTube. It's Dynamite David Hardy World Class MC. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of my friends here, Fight Sports Focus, my name is Dynamite. Saying thank you all so much for coming out. God bless you and good night. Dave, thank you so much, Scott. Guys, we'll be right back. This Saturday night, UFC on ESPN, home versus Aldana. UFC really had to scramble to put this one together at the last minute. I mean, even a day or two ago, there were only a handful of fights announced for it. Obviously, Holly Holm taking on Irene Aldana. And another fight I'm looking forward to, uh, which is actually on the prelim card, believe it or not, Carlos Condit taking on uh, Court McGee. That one's going to be a lot of fun. We don't have any picks this week, and next weekend, uh, coming up on October 10th, currently there's only three fights announced on that card, with the main event being uh, Moraes versus Sanhagen. UFC has got to get its shit together, get these cards together a little bit quicker, right? Because, I mean, it's really hard for guys that want to make their picks and and uh, help promote and help talk about these things. Well, they have they have a bunch of co- a bunch of fights listed on it now. What do we have? Uh, so October tenth or on the October one coming 10th, up this weekend on the uh, Marias and Sanhagen. We have Etzen Barbosa uh, on here with McWayne. I'm going to butcher this name. Amarquihana. Uh, then we have Marcus Perez versus Drissus Duplessis, and then uh, San Wang Wu Choi versus Yusef Azali. Then Ben Ben Rothwell is on the card, uh, Mark versus Marcin Tybura, uh, and a few more uh, cards. And I'm assuming all this will all be undercard. Uh, but it looks like they're finally starting to put a card together, slapping awesome. it together. Awesome. Um, but it's like popsicle sticks uh, cards now trying to make now. But I guess yep. they've been flooding the market with so many so many fights. Like the big draw, big go getters. I mean, these guys can only fight ever so often, except our man uh Chimeyev. I mean, he's ready to go at a moment's notice. I mean, he could probably fight Once this weekend week. if we want him. Every weekend. We'll, we'll just schedule him for I a mean, while. he's only fighting like 20 seconds at a time. So I mean he's he's ready to go. Yeah. So I've got uh Marlon Rice, Corey Sanhagen, Ben Rothwell, and uh Marcin Tabora, Sergey Spivak, Tom Aspinall. Uh Nick's got a couple other uh matchups on that card. That's gonna be October 10th. This weekend, uh, Holly Holm, Irene Aldana. Uh, no picks for this weekend. Uh, we can talk about the main event if you want. Yeah, we, we can do the main event. I have Irene Aldana. I think Holly Holmes is past her prime. She hasn't done anything substantial since she kicked around in the head. Yeah, and here's the thing. Uh, one of my buddies uh, posted his picks, and he's betting big on Aldana. And at first, I was like, oh, man, you're crazy. Aldana's going to beat Holly Holm. And then I just five minutes of research looking into it. And I was like, oh, yeah, Aldana's probably going to win this one. I'm going with Aldana this weekend, too. Yeah, since she beat, since she beat, since uh, Holly beat Ronda, then she lost to Misha Tate by knockout. Uh, then she lost a unanimous decision to Shevchenko. Then she lost to uh, Ramadan. 
Then she beat uh, Beth Correa. Then she lost to Cyborg. Mm-hmm. Then she beat Megan Anderson. Then she lost to Nunez. Then she beat Raquel Pennington. So, I mean, she's having a yeah, very from, seesaw. What, 2015, 2016, yeah. how many losses? Five or six? Yeah, then, right? most of her losses. She's uh, she's 13 and five right now, and I think this is going to be a loss for her. I think Holly's in the twilight of her career, and in my opinion, if she gets absolutely starched, I think it might be time to hang them up. Yeah. I mean, she's she's a former champion. She ended she ended the great one of the greatest female runs of all time in Ronda Rousey. Uh, so I mean, Holly Holly's definitely a Hall of Famer, but I mean, it might be time. Yeah, it might be. And at that uh, what one hundred thirty five pound division, there's no yep. there's no getting to the top of that. Oh yeah, uh, not anytime soon. The only time the only thing that happens at the top of that division is you get smacked by Amanda Nunez. I don't think there's any fighter in the thirty five or forty five division. Nope. That can touch Amanda Nunez. Like nope. it's and if she could get down to 25, she'd be a three division champion easy. Absolutely. I mean, you and I talked about those interesting matchups. Like, should we let her fight uh, a 125 <laughs> dude at this point? Like, absolutely. We, we got to spice it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think for a, a fighter like Amanda let her fight Nunez. one. Let her fight two 115 females at a time. Oh, she's smoking any two <laughs> 115. I, I think we got to spice it up a little bit more than that, even man. <laughs> Make her fight uh, blind, blindfold one eye. And <laughs> the pirate patch. Pirate patch one eye and then put Nunez in there. Make her only be able to use her lead hand. All right, so here's the thing. If she's getting punched in the eye that she can and it gets swollen, can she switch the patch over or is she destined? Once you choose the eye, the patch has to stay covering that one. Uh, I think, yeah, you got to keep that eye covered. I mean, we'd have to work it out in the details. I mean, it's a contract. You yeah, know, right? get our lawyers will look over it and send it over to her. And Our people uh, talk to your people. We'll yeah, maybe Dana out. White will approve it. Maybe not, you know, but it's worth a shot. Nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, we have to get this woman to fight. Like, yeah. she just had, congratulations to Amanda Nunez. Her and her wife just had a beautiful baby. And, oh, yeah. Uh, I think she's raring to go now. She said uh, in, her, in, her, in her Twitter account, she said that uh, she has something worth fighting for now. So that's a very Dangerous. scary statement by the lioness that she hasn't been fighting for anything before. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'd be looking out. She's knocking people's heads off. Dangerous. Well, look, uh, Nunez, you can expect that contract coming in. I've been a member of LegalZoom for like six years now, and I've never got to use the service. That's right. So I'm going <laughs> I'm to get that $3.99 a month that I've been spending, put it to use, get my contract out, uh, pirate patches, full-fledged. Let's go, Nick. That about does it, man. Seventh episode of the Fight Sport Focus podcast. Don't forget, follow us on all platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Fight Sport Focus. Our website, fightsportfocus.com. New episodes are dropping every week, so subscribe to and share this podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, I'm Jeffrey Hoffman, and this is Nicholas Sherlock. Thanks for listening.